I always felt that the Indians were victims of long abuse and injustice. So this, I figured, wouldn't it be great if I can utilize my God-given talents to, to, to honor them somehow? I wasn't exactly sure how, but I, I had this, everything, like I said, it's an evolutionary process. It wasn't like one day I woke up, you know what I'm going to make giant statues in every state out of stone or cook. No, or wood. No, I just, it, it just evolved. Midway between San Diego and Los Angeles, about 13 miles inward from Palm Springs, lies a town surrounded by natural hot and cold mineral springs, aptly named Desert Hot Springs. It's one of the few places this naturally occurs in the world. For hundreds of years, this special place has kept a tiny desert community alive among the sprawling, brutal landscape of the Mojave Desert. The native Coahuila and Morongo people knew it was a special place and helped protect it and preserve it over the years, sharing its secret with trusted few. One of those trusted few was a homesteader in 1913 named Cabot Yerksa, who built his Pueblo-style home by hand over 20 years. This episode isn't about him, but it could be. Go see his house. We're talking Sarah Winchester-level crazy housing situation, which is where our story actually begins because you know I love museums about crazy stuff. Flashback to last summer, when my mom decided it was time for my brother and I to do some kind of weird adult-sibling-forced bonding thing. We stayed at an aging 1950s hotel with several little pools in it. It was okay. We didn't kill each other. We each picked a thing we wanted to do or see, and my pick was the Pueblo Museum. We went in the mid-morning before it got too hot. The sun was blazing and the cicadas were making their creepy electrical noise in the desert foliage as we checked in and waited for our tour. The guides ask you to corral around this small outdoor area before leading you into the Pueblo to get a larger group together for the tour. Very usual. Also quite usual is that we were the only ones there that weren't employees, so we were waiting around for nothing for a really long time in a tiny speck of a town. Like, who else was going to show up on an off-season Wednesday morning, guys? But it's all worth it, because if we hadn't waited around, I never would have seen the 40-foot-tall, floating, carved face staring down at me. And this episode would have been short. This oddity of public art intrigued me so much that I went down a research rabbit hole, found the artist, called him out of the blue, and asked if I could share his story. I'm proud to say that guy is now a friend and I want to share his story with others. Now that you're caught up, here's the story of Peter Wolf Toth and the trail of the Whispering Giants. So anyway, but, but you know, I, I go into a, a lot of detail. How, as I traveled out to Key, Key West, I came back 
and I traveled through uh, the Seminole Indian villages, I could hear the war drums. So he's in his early 20s. He's on a break from art school. And the rest of his family has relocated from Akron, Ohio, to La Jolla, California. As, as the, you know, I'm a, a student. I've, I've always been a student of history. How the, uh, the soldiers are fighting the Seminoles. The Seminoles uh, hid out in the swamp, and they couldn't follow them too good, and they were great fighters. And, you know, so I, I, this is what some of my thoughts were as I traversed uh, the outer perimeter of, uh, of the, U- the entirety of the U- United States, you know, along the Atlantic and the Gulf of Mexico. And I, I, I finally came to California. My, uh, my brother has a place there in La Jolla. So that's and, uh, why the fr- that one's in La Jolla. Yeah, well, there's always, like I said, everything evolved. <laughs> it didn't just happen by pure accident. And then I, I went down to the beach. I'm, I'm like checking out the chicks. And, you know, uh, especially my favorite place was uh, 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 Black Beach or Sunset Beach. And then, wow, wow, wow. And, you know, you kind of kind of don't want to look. It's kind of uncouth to look. And then after after full day is, wow, wow, you, you say, wow, uh-huh, wow. And then, you know, because, because what makes a woman titillating is not her nakedness with that clothes that she has on. <laughs> it's how which, she wears a it. Lot of, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, but, you know, I came to realize it. But nevertheless, I was walking down the beach. Uh, you know, as I, I would jog down to the beach, and I was walking on the beach, and all of a sudden, I saw in the protruding uh, cliffside, I saw the image haunting image of an Indian. Wait, so it's like a cliff and you're just walking along and the universe says, hey, look at this, it needs to be an Indian? Yeah, yeah, you know, I saw the haunting image and I took my hammer and chisel from the machine shop and I started chipping away at it. And lo and behold, after after a, a lengthy time, uh, someone mentioned it and uh, I think... Uh, uh, anyway, they, they took a picture of it, and they, they dubbed it the Scarface Indian. Didn't know who was making that statue, but because of the erosion from the uh, Pacific, Pacific Ocean, it looked like the this, uh, this Indian had a scar, scars in his face. So all this kind of evolved, evolved. And then my, my brother, of course, he wanted me to stay there and live with him in California, he offered to sell me part of his land and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's my oldest brother. But but again, my girlfriend was in Ohio, and I, I had to get back there. So I, I drove back in my ghost ship cross-country this time. Oh, yeah, record scratch. I forgot the best part. Peter has this half-boat, half-van creation called the Ghost Ship. It's pretty awesome. We have pictures on our website and it will rock your dad van world. Again, uh, I stopped at a cemetery. I dreamed of all kinds of strange dreams, but oftentimes my dreams lent themselves towards the indigenous people. 
the people that suffered and the, the buffalo that were, you know, when I traveled across the prairie, the, the, you know, I could see the buffalo in my dreams. And before they were wiped out pretty well, became extinct. Can you feel uh, them? I, Can you smell them? Can you hear I them? Could, or do you I, just know they're there? I could, I could, I could hear them. Matter of fact, one time, one time I was, uh, I lived amongst a bunch of buffaloes at a later date. So yes, I could, I could hear them. You know, the buffaloes are like, they sound like pigs. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I, they surrounded my vehicle. By this time I was married, but point is, uh, that was a later time in my life. But anyway, as I crossed the prairie, I could see the buffaloes. I, I, whenever I had a chance, I would stop at an Indian reservation. But nevertheless, I'm jumping ahead of myself a bit. I got back to Ohio to Becky. Becky was. Hang on, girl. her name's Becky. Becky is already drama. Becky, yeah, well, well, that's that, that's Becky in Ohio. Actually, actually, the fact is, I had her had her fly out to meet me in California, and I. I I believe, uh, no, no, at that time I came back by myself. But nevertheless, I went back, got back to Ohio, and I, by this time, you know, I, I don't know how or why, but I, I'm sure that there was motivation helping me, spurring spur me along, because I decided, I was looking for a cliffside. Because, you know, stone was my, my basic uh, medium at that time. I mean, I worked in metal and painting and such, but I, stone was basically my major medium, and I was looking for cliffside to make my second statue. So I decided, well, I made a statue in California. I'm in Ohio. I got time. Might as well, you know, uh, Becky was working, uh, so she didn't have time to So I might as well make another statue. And then I remember I went down to uh, my local park, beautiful park in Akron, Sand Run Park. And I, I, you know, I would, I would usually take walks with my girlfriend there. And I saw, I spotted a tree, a dead tree. It was an elm tree. And then, you know, if I may back up a little, I found a cliffside that had a potential for me to create a stat, another statue, but it was like a stone quarry. Nobody except maybe a couple uh, raccoons or maybe maybe a, a fox or two might might come by and look at it. I, I figured, you know, if I'm going to make a statue to honor the American Indians, even though this was somewhat in my fermenting in my mind, I've never as much as uttered it to everybody. You know, it was kind of like, you know, going on in my mind. But I figured, well, hey, I used the cliff side along the Pacific Ocean, and here in this beautiful park that I love, there's a dead tree, elm tree, at the edge of the woods. It's dying or dead. I said, hey. You're like, Becky, drag this tree with me. Yeah, yeah. So so I I talked to the park people. I said, you know, I I showed them a picture of the statue in California. I said, you know, I'd like to do something for the Native Americans, you know, uh, and, and how about if uh, I, I'll make the statue, uh, you know, from that tree? 
Well, okay, that sounds great. Interesting for the part. Uh, we'll cut the top off for you, and you can use the tree. And so they helped me. They got the scaffolds for me, and I, I start chipping away. Well, you know, I didn't even put a feather on that on it at that time, and I, I wanted to kind of have a, a, you know, make Indians look like any other human being. I wasn't even got time to put feathers on them, but. I remember as I started chipping away, and it started looking like something, looking pretty good. I had a Beacon Journal from Cleveland. A guy called me up. I forgot the gentleman's name. He said, hey, I heard you make an Indian statue. I said, yeah, yeah. He came out. He did a, a lengthy story. He actually even put the, put the picture of it on, on, on the magazine called the, the Sunday Magazine. It was kind of like, a, you know, statewide magazine or whatever, did a story on it, said that, uh, you know, I made the statue in California, and he wants to make a statue to honor the Indians, and there was talk about naming him Tomahawk and what kinds of other Indian names, and I told him, I said, yeah, you know, my plan, at that time he discussed it, I said, you know, my dream actually is to create a statue in the likeness of the indigenous people in all 50 states. Not only that, I'd like to make statues, God willing, in every in different countries. This pretty well spurred me on as I'm chip, chipping away. I don't think I, I don't know if I was even up on a scaffold. I think I had a strap. I was strapped to you. I have a statue. It was raining, and I put a big plywood on top of it to keep the rain off of my head. I was chipping away at it. It started looking pretty good, though. Had you drawn this so out, was, or are you still just going on this, like, divine knowledge that you can see what the end thing needs to become? Well, yes, yes. You know, by this time, I was quite aware and uh, pretty well made a, a, a statement that is a statement uh, validating and verifying that I was going to make a statue for every state in different countries. So this was no, no longer just the same, but rather a fact. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, the universe made it a thing because you, you had that in your heart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, this, this, is, this is a whole concept of my work. I, I, wanted to, I left my alma mater, University of Akron, left, uh, left my job that I was making good money at. And I decided I'm going to try the routine that I called Sorry, of an artist. <laughs> <laughs> See, my, my pieces don't go by size. I mean, I, a lot of people coming in, that, that they automatically think of chainsaws. And, you know, I love chainsaws. I think there's some wonderful, wonderful, talented chainsaw artists. But my work is not chainsaw art. And my work, you know, and most chainsaw artists that I knew, they sell their work by the foot. If a foot size is $50, two foot size is $100, three foot size, so on and so forth. So that's, I can understand why they would think that uh, that's how they have to price. You know, my, I tell people my, my statues are priced according to size. I mean, not size, but rather artistic merit. So just because something twice or four times as big doesn't mean it's any more expensive or lesser expensive. But that's how I do, I do it. You know, I, I, 
thank thank God, occasionally I have some people who really respect my work, and and I and have actually purchased one of my pieces for you know like ten thousand dollars for one piece. Doesn't happen every day, but I'll tell you, I tell people if that does not happen periodically, what would happen to Peter? Peter would have to get a real job. No. A real job. And I don't yeah. know what he's qualified for. Maybe dig, digging ditches. So thank thank God I'm able to play around, you know, creating my my art pieces, painting, whatever. And occasionally someone will buy it. Otherwise, I'd be forced to get me a real job. Those are gross. Nobody. I, I mean, I, let me just... Rephrase it. Someone, someone once asked me, they said, well, you donate your statues. Well, what do you do when you go to a gas station? You tell them to fill up the gas in your vehicle for your good looks? I said, I said tell them to give me a kick in the ass for my good looks. They want the buck. So occasionally I do have to tell them I work. But nevertheless, I earmarked about 10 grand to down to the Amazon to make a statue. One of my more astute friends told me, he said, you know, Peter, I figured you're going to get down to the Amazon to make a statue somewhere in Brazil. You're going to be t- paying for the, the shipping of the log, cutting the tree down, shipping it. It might be several hundred miles, maybe a thousand miles more. You're going to have to put in the, the foundation, the concrete foundation, pretty poor country. By the time you got it done, he figured out that cost about $78,000. So the $10,000 is going to be a mere pittance for, for the reality. Because, you know, it's kind of like whenever I was making a statue, it didn't just happen by itself. Nobody said, hey, Peter, I like you. Here's the money. Go make another statue. Now, Peter had to work his ass off. And I hope, hoping that maybe somebody actually wanted to buy one of his, his statues or his paintings so he can pay for his travel and expenses. Yep. You see, that's a reality. These things that don't happen by osmosis. It happens by buck. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about my, one of my teachers. One of my teachers that I admire greatly. Now, he is not, not from a different life like, like uh, Vincent Van Gogh. He's from this life. And after I finished my 10th statue, I'm jumping ahead. I jump all over the place. I, I finished my 10th statue. That's the one of the Indian maiden I sent to see it. That, that's a monolithic statue consisting, consisting of a dying bison with his legs up in the air, an eagle, kind of mangled wings attempting to fly. An Indian maiden, Indian maiden on one side, Indian brave on the other side. That, you see, people as a what's the buffalo doing with this wall? Don't ask me. All I did was I simply took away everything that didn't belong up there. So I put up there everything that belonged there. So, I, you know, in essence, I took away the excess wood. You know, actually, the tree, it was a big old tree stump. 
it was uh, it was uh, actually that tree supposedly, <laughs> according to legends, quote unquote. I was told that that tree was planted by Thomas Edison and Harvey Firestone. Uh, uh, Sit from my neck of the woods, you know, Firestone Akron, you know. Right, right. Tires. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but they, supposedly they planted it from the Amazon. They planted it there. It was a big old ear tree, not native to Florida. So it was humongous, about seven, seven, eight feet wide. And came up about 10, 20 feet, whatever. It was way up there, maybe 20 feet. And then big old, uh, big old crown of the tree was up there. I was invited to make that statue by, by, and I, I'm not going to go into, I go into detail sometimes. But this guy, this guy lived up in Pittsburgh. He must have, he's seen my work, heard about my work in some magazine, whatever. I don't think it was People's Magazine. <laughs> Some other night. By that, but the point is, he said, Peter, I got a big old stump by a holiday inn. Why don't you come down and make the statue? Oh, Lord, you know, it gets, it gets mighty cold up here in the summer, winter. Sure, sure. So this guy, he had a little ranch. He told me he had a little ranch down there in, uh, in, in Punta Gorda, Florida. That's in the west coast, central, southern part of Florida, the west coast. He said, yeah, this big old tree, send me a picture of it. He says, come down, see if you can create a statue out of it. Right, that's Thank you. Get away from the cold. So he had a little ranch. A little ranch, a 100,000-acre ranch. Oh, you know, just a little one. Yeah, yeah. I remember he, he uh, as I was making the statue, and this was, like I said, I didn't put nothing up there. So there was branches coming up this way that night. I... I, I had some tree guy come out there with a chainsaw. I said, cut this branch off. Until I saw from one side a dying bison with his legs up in there. If you would look at it even closer, this guy, you can look him up. He was interviewed once about his 100,000-acre ranch, Fred Babcock. He donated the land to for a park. Donate a few thousand, you know, maybe a few hundred acres to me. That would have been nice. You know, he invited me out to, to the, his ranch. Becky, was, Becky was, came down and he went out to his ranch and he had a barbecue, a, a wild boar barbecue. And I, I told him, I said, Fred, you know something? I love this barbecue. I, I've given some serious thought to to hiring you as my personal chef. He kind of thought it was a good idea. He kind of <laughs> liked me because, you know, I, I, I never, you know, I've never actually, I never kowtow someone is a millionaire, a billionaire, or, or one, someone has a, a bath holding rat, whatever. To me, a person is a person, a human being is a human being. And so I never drown those people, and I guess that's why he liked me. But again, uh, going back to that page, a picture, you looked very, very close in the black and white, page 97 of my, of my book. If you look really, really close to the magnifying glass, you'll see, you'll see um, one of my teachers from this life, his signature on it. You know what he says? Well, let me, let me finish first off who he is. He used to be, used to work on my Rushmore. Can you imagine? 
my future super Kama Rushmore. That's awesome. That is, you know, I mean, I people people probably laugh their ass off. They say, <laughs> this guy's a liar, liar. He thinks I believe this bull crap. Let me tell you something. I tell people, don't believe what people tell you. Don't believe, you know, I'm a liar. You're a liar. Mohammed's a liar. Uh, uh, Joseph Smith, I call him old Joe. He's a liar, a bigger liar than me. But now if you call Mo a liar, he'll cut your head off. <laughs> Dang, but, yo. But, you know, everyone, you know where I get this stuff? I get this stuff from the, the Bible. The Bible says all men are liars. It says God is truth and all men are liars. See, so people are liars. And I'm, I'm no less of a liar than I am. Others maybe a little more. I'm certain no less. But the point is, I tell them, I can verify it. Look in my book, Indian Giver, page 97. It's out of print at the moment, but you can, there's tens of thousands of books out there and you can get it off of eBay, books a million, many places. And uh, look on page 97. When I was up there, I stopped in the way Florida, when I finished my stash in Florida, uh, I had Becky with me. I stopped uh, to see Mount Rushmore. I remember I asked them, I said, hey, you know, there's another big statue around here. They looked at me and said, we don't know. We don't know. I said, okay. So I, I found my way to Crazy Horse, of which I was going to see anyway. That, that was the main reason I was going there. And I went in there and I met Ruth. Ruth is uh, Korchak Zelkowski's wife. Now, mind you, this was like 42 years ago. Uh, Korchak, Ruth uh, knew who I was. That's why she kind of understood I was making statues to honor the American Indian. I was a kid, you know, in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, she told me, she said, why don't you go up there with the boys? up to the top of the mountain. They're going to take lunch up there for Korchak. Would you go up there with them? So I went up there and we're talking, Korchak and I. I don't know up there, down in the studio. But we're discussing our work to honor the American Indians. He told me a little known secret. He told me that there's an enmity between Borgnum's uh, Mount Rushmore and his statue of Crazy Horse. You know what the enmity is? No. Coming from the horse's mouth, he told me, said Peter, when I worked on Mount Rushmore when I was a kid with Borgnum, he said, Borgnum had a son named Lincoln. He said, Lincoln and I, he didn't see eye to eye. He said, and I quote, I'm not the bastard on his ass. And the old man fired me from the job. <laughs> Which most people have no idea about. And that's, that's when I was born. I was born December 1947. That's when he started making his That's your crazy horse. I mean, it's, it's, it's really weird because 
uh, I have such admiration for the man. And, you know, you were asking, well, why don't you have them pay for... You know, I've never taken a grant from anybody. I've always done it by myself. That's what, that's how Korchak has always done. Yeah, I had the audacity, because he, Korchak told me some of his concern, you know, with the statute, the arm pointing north, you know, crazy horses statue pointing north. Yeah. He said he was concerned that that arm might, because it's going to be narrow, it might break off. So he was thinking of, of maybe using lead to stabilize it. So, so, you know, again, I, I mean, you know, I was amazed because, you know, this guy, Korchak, I read that he was a pretty, pretty uh, mean character. I, I read that, and I read about him, and, uh, but he was really nice. And he liked it. And we, again, we discussed our work, and he told me he'll never finish his work. In his lifetime, you know, I told him, I said, Korchak, at least finish his face. Well, you know, I'm sure that probably, probably went over like a leaded balloon, this young upstart, young punk telling a master sculptor, world, world-class world sculptor, what to do and how to do it. Well, he kind of liked me, you know? Yeah, I he mean, sometimes you need a kick in the ass, even when you're famous. Whenever I talked, and I told people about him everywhere I went, every state. I told people he, he kind of looks like, you know, kind of a cross between a Santa Claus and a grizzly bear. <laughs> they, they, savoring by a long shot the latter. Oh, I love it. You know, I, I remember I remember going up there, there was a big old billboard that said, slow, man working. Yeah. <laughs> Someone told me that was because people would fly over. They see the big sign, big, big billboard that says, slow, slow down, careful, man working. Well, he'd go down the bar, and some of the guys, you know, <laughs> I heard you seen the sign. You got slow man working. Yeah, you've been over there for 40 years. You still can't see nothing. He'd beat the hell out of two, three guys at, a, at one, one city. Yeah, so he was quite a character, you know. But again, again, this is this is my teacher from this life, and I, you know, I I believe, uh, you know, certainly he's one of my, uh, you know, he he uh, advisor, definitely advised me. So that's why I don't I don't take money, I make my own money, and I make my own decisions. But nevertheless, when I go to the Amazon, it's going to be on my money or nothing. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I've always done, made my statues. Try to get people to contribute with some of the expenses and such. You know, whenever I make a statue, have them, some people help donate the concrete, someone scaffold, someone a crane, you know, everything like that. So it's a community coming together to help. That's awesome. Yeah, that's Jenny. Jenny, that's what I did. Now, in all honesty, uh, there the statue you saw in California. Uh, that was not. I, did, I never named that statue. And I, the gentleman that ran the museum, he was a good guy. He was a strange guy, but so am I. So, but he uh, he worked really hard to bring in a big old log. I remember 
you know, he had one donated by the Sequoia National Park. But, you know, the expenses are tremendous anyway. You got to ship it, you know, equipment. Nothing is, is free. So I, I owe a lot of debt to him. But I remember once he said, Cole is the guy's name. He just died on a fourth, uh, half a dozen years till whenever. Got run over by a truck, buying food at McDonald's. I don't know if I could be eating that crap food. You know, I remember I told you I'm, I'm planning to live to be over 100, but I eat what, what I call as longevity food, great food, healthy food. But, you, you know, he, uh, he once said that he's an artist. He said, they're a dime a dozen. He didn't have a lot of respect for artists. But, you know, when I got there, I got, I just got married. Kind of like honeymoon out there. I had my, I had a, a Winnebago. I, I no longer lived in my ghost ship. <laughs> I, I, you know, was coming up in the world. Had a, had a, a motorhome, you know, 24 foot Winnebago. And Kathy didn't like it. And, uh, uh, I know that Cole was really nice. He, he took out an apartment for us. So he helped us out. So, you know, I, I have to, I have a lot of uh, admiration for the man. He's certainly very deserving of all the work you've done. And he named that statue. See, what I do is I name the statue and represent them, uh, for the indigenous people. Well, he, Cole, jumped the gun and named it, uh, um, for the uh, Lakota, the Sioux Indian. There was an error in his thinking and his judgment, but nevertheless, I kind of explained this to the watch, you know, the, the Indians in, the, in Palm Springs when they had a rededication. But the point is, the point is, getting, getting back to the Indians, if I, if I may, Without even asking questions, you probably figure, well, what do the Indians think about your statue? Right. You know, Indian people are people. They think of their of art in their own peculiar way. I'm sure some love art, some don't. That's okay. But I can tell you, when I finished my statue, my whispering giant, to honor all the of people, the Lakota and others of, of, of the state of North Dakota, the Mandan, North Dakota, just outside of, uh, uh, um, Bismarck. Yeah. Anyway, point is, I was invited to come out to the Standing Rock Indian Reservation. These were, these were the, Sitting both people, the Lakota, Sioux. Wow. You know what they did? They they gave me the microphone, and I explained to them that I made the statue in honor of their people. And then they passed the blank. And I told them that my next statue, I'm, I'm going to make to honor the Athabascan Tlingit and other Indians and even non-Indians, the Aleutians of Alaska. You know what they did? They passed the blanket around. Now, some of these people were a lot poorer than I was. But they passed the blanket around. 
some of them threw in a, maybe a quarter, maybe a dollar, some even five dollars. I don't know, some may have been even more. But I didn't want to take that money from them because, you know, it's like, wow, these poor people. I, but it would have been disrespectful for me not to take it and accept it. So I can tell you that these people, to show their gratitude, they not only clapped for, for me, for what I was doing, but they also, they also paid, literally paid for my way up to Alaska and gasoline. You see, so again, what I'm, I'm trying to express to you is that, you know, I've had a lot of uh, positive feedback from the Native Americans. Really weird. When I was out there making a statue in Hawaii, you know, if you if you're in Hawaii, you got to deal with uh, the mission people, the missionary. I was told that Hawaii has three mafiosos. The military is one of the biggest. Then you have uh, the mission uh, missionary people that came to the island, and they told the Hawaiians, well, we come to help you. And they said, they, the Hawaiians, being the gracious people that they were, they told them, well, what, what can we, can we give you something? Let, it, let us give you our land. And they gave them their land. And these, these good missionaries, they own the biggest part of the island besides the military. Those bastards. Um, yeah. In other words, I was not in their grace. I made the statue. I was invited without their 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 acceptance. I just, you know, shipped it along. I had some of the Hawaiians. Right. They wanted the statue. They, they uh, I don't know if somehow we worked. I got the log shipped out there, and I, I was got, I was working on it right there immediately. I flew out there. I was planning to, I was planning to uh, take a slow boat to China and chip away at the, stat, the big old log out of Douglas fir log and start making a Polynesian on the, on the barge. <laughs> but uh, it would have caught them on the leg and they wouldn't allow me. So I, I flew out there, but I got out there, shipped the log on the north shore of Hawaii, and these people were pissed at they didn't have their my they I didn't have their permission like I needed their permission. I just want you to be aware that sometimes these things happen. When I was making a statue, I remember they told me, "You are not going to stand the statue up. You stand that statue up, you got to come out here from Honolulu." We have control over here. You, you're going to be ha- jackhammering that concrete base out. You are not to pour the concrete. You know what we did? What? We put the form on. Saturday, uh, when you know all the people in, my, in, in uh, Honolulu were not working, you know, city people, whatever. You pour the concrete Saturday morning. By Sunday evening, only hardly like four, 
not even 48 hours, he raised the stature up there. Woohoo! Fuck yeah. And then I figured, I figured, are these bastards going to try to uh, stop me from working? I had some chain and locks. I was going to chain myself to scaffold and the Indian. I'm not going to try to force me off of that. I come to honor the Polynesians, and these people are going to disrespect me by trying to stop me from making a statue. So they backed off, at least temporarily. I remember, I, I wish I'd have this uh, Honolulu broadcast TV station came out. And they were filming me as I was making a statue. And all of a sudden, this young guy came up, said that he was a Polynesian. You know, I had a Polynesian that invited me to make a statue. I'm a, I'm a, an artist, and that statue looks nothing like a Polynesian. He's over there lambasting the statue and giving me hell. These guys were filming him. And uh, that evening, I was watching the news, and they were giving me hell. But, you know, this, this guy, obviously, they had uh, the, uh, uh, you know... He was a plant. What he's called. Yeah, they, the plan was to make me look bad, to you know, look like a Polynesian. And they were filming this guy as he was talking. And they were filming the statue. And then when one of the guys, a couple of the guys in the showroom, you know, mm-hmm. he said, he said uh, uh, they were, uh, you know, finished uh, the I said, did you did you see did you see a statue? Did you see that that guy that says it doesn't look like a Polynesian? Did, did you notice it looks just like him? <laughs> but again, you see, I have people that sometimes try to discredit me for varying reasons. That's okay. I don't mind. I'm, I'm thick enough skin. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, I, I don't, I don't let people like that ruin my day. You know, I mean, there's a lot of ignoramuses around. That's okay. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think uh, art is something that anyone has a right to, uh, the right and the privilege to make a decision point, or whether they like it or not. Okay. And as we're talking, I'm going to feed my chickens. Yay, chickens. Hi, ladies. Yeah. Chickens, chickens. Oh, chickens. I got three ranging chickens. Awesome. I also tell people, I don't know how many, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's 10, a hundred, a million artists that uh, the Smithsonian, uh, uh, has uh, on their website, you know, that they catalog their work. Right. Maybe they have millions of them. I, I kind of doubt that, but I am one of them. You and sure maybe, are. Uh, I, I don't have a website. I, I kind of, I, I say this in a, in a, in a braggart fashion that, you know, I'm, I don't have a website, but the Smithsonian has a website. If you wish to look up my statues, you can look it up on the Smithsonian. Just Google just go in there, the Smithsonian just put on there, Whispering Giants, 
my statutes should pop up in every state or virtually every state on their website. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, Peter. I really appreciate it. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what, if anything else you need for me to, to send to you, I would be very happy to try to do that. And I appreciate your, your help. And, you know, I, 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 I really, real quickly, my brother told me, I have a brother that's a millionaire, big businessman. He's my kid brother, youngest brother in Ohio. He told me, he said, Peter, I'm going to put your statue of your whispering giants on Facebook so millions of people could see it. You see? No, that's the worst. I, I they should go visit them. Yeah, you, know, you know, my computer is my phone. My phone is my computer. It's also my music box and my, 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 uh, my phone and everything else. And I, I have a hard time. Uh, you know, it says lousy reception. I don't even get on the Facebook. But I'll tell you what, some way you could put some of my statues on Facebook where a mega number of people could see it, I would be most grateful. And also, even more important, that they would know what the statues are and that there is one in their state. If you could, I would be more most grateful to you. That was almost six months ago. I really wanted to do my due diligence in researching this and making sure he was the real deal. He really has made statues in all 50 American states and 11 Canadian provinces, and then some. Most of them are still standing, minus the initial scar-faced Indian he spoke about in La Jolla. That eventually eroded away due to the ocean. During this time, Peter and I continued to engage in swapping photos, stories, jokes. When Hurricane Irma hit the Florida coast, I was worried about him for a few days until he checked in again. When I took a trip to the desert, we exchanged photos of our sunrises. The more I learned with and about Peter, the more confident I became that I needed to share him with those around me. His success in the art world isn't defined by gallery dollars or auction houses at all. It couldn't be more further removed. And yet here he is with work represented in every state. The only artists I can think of at that level of exposure are usually dead. They're dead white dudes lining the pockets of alive white dudes at art fairs run by other white dudes. Plus, if he were represented traditionally as a gallery artist, that kind of exposure would water down the product in the eyes of the gallery. They absolutely run on scarcity to make their dollars go. Arguably, Peter is currently as or slightly more successful than any of your favorite living blue chip artists. His work is incorporated into zoos, parks, elementary schools, museums, public courthouses, national parks, you get where I'm going with this. We pulled the data from Yellowstone National Park, where Peter's work rests just outside of the park entrance by car. The average monthly visitor count from 2002 to 2016, let's just pick a month when the kids are out of school, August? Nearly 900,000 park goers. Let's cut that number in half and be super generous about the number of people who weren't paying attention, or maybe they came to the camp a different way. 
If you told me that 450,000 individual people came to an art show in one month, I would assume you had to buy tickets. It's totally sold out, and it's probably at some place I have to pay for parking if we can even go. In contrast, how many people went through the Museum of Ice Cream last summer? I'll bet Peter's numbers still win. Last week, I took a trip up to Reno, Nevada that I'd had on the books for almost a year. When we met at the airport, I told my traveling companion that I was going on a side trip from our destination to see some public art, and she was welcome to join me. Okay, it's almost 1 p.m. We have arrived in Idlewild Park. It is me and Ryan. Hello. She's also my bestie and didn't want me to get murdered in some park, so of course she came. Wapai Shone, a tribute to the Washoe, Peyuti, and Shoshone, Shoshone of Nevada. The 53rd Whispering Giant. By sculptor. By sculptor Peter Wolf Toth, June 8th, 1986. This is older than I am. It's not older than I am. Ah. Ah. What's up? So, it's real tall. Its base is about as tall as my shoulders. So you're forced to look up. He's got a cool knot in the front that kind of looks like a medallion. I like that. Yeah. I wonder why this part's more white and then the other parts are still red. Maybe snow? No, I feel like it was probably painted at one point. Nuh-uh. No? Uh-uh. About midway up the back of the head is a crack in the log itself. And it's sad. It's got that really cool feather situation happening up top. I think I like him because he reminds me of a woodcut, kind of. Like, I could just roll a piece of paper around the tube and make a cool print. He'd get most of his nose and lips. And hair. Lots of hair. And feathers. Yeah. And the medallion. We should ask Peter if he ever did reliefs. Mm. That'd be neat. I feel like that'd be a missed opportunity. Do you want to call him? <laughs> Kim? <'Cause>, yeah. <laughs> If you'd like to check out more work from Peter, see the photos of Ryan and I at the Giant in Reno and more, check out our website at artworldpodcast.com or follow the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell others about it and review it. It helps more people find the show and it gives us the warm and fuzzies. That's it for this week, amigos. Be nice to the interns and go make good art.